Aaron Fitt, co-editor and national writer for D1 Baseball, now joins us. Always a pleasure to have Aaron here, and he covered the uh, East Carolina, Texas, which, my God, Aaron, 1 o'clock in the morning, but you know how that goes with weather, so thank you for doing this. Yeah, you got it, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, let's go to your regional. Uh, did did the outcome surprise you at all? Because, you know, people forget Texas has been to Omaha more than any other school. Did the outcome surprise you? No, I mean, you know, like you said, this is their 38th trip to Omaha, and East Carolina is still looking for their first. And, um, you know, that, that obviously uh, matters, you know, that having that experience, that institutional experience even. You know, Cliff Godwin, East Carolina's coach, talked about it yesterday. Once you bust down that door, it does become easier, and we've seen that over and over again. You know, the example that he cited was, was Tim Corbin. You know, it took Tim Corbin to Vanderbilt nine years to get to the College World Series, even though he had a lot of great teams in those first nine years. But then he got there, and, and then it became easier to get back, and that's certainly how it goes. But you know, East Carolina ultimately they had it. You know, they were they were five runs ahead with nine outs to go on Saturday. You know, up seven to two, and, and Texas it's a tough lineup to put away. They got a lot of power, and uh, that that loomed large. You know, and, and ECU just kind of they, they they just couldn't find answers on the mound. I mean, they've got some some good pieces on the mound, but they did You know, at no point this year did they have a, a horse that they could ride that they could, you know, give them seven innings. They had to mix and match all the way through, and they were just cycling through these arms the last, you know, 12 innings of this series, and they just couldn't couldn't find the answer. And, you know, Texas just kind of was feeling it. So that's how that goes. Aaron, I don't think there's too many people in the SEC that are, that are lamenting Tennessee's downfall. Your thoughts about that? You're probably right about that. I think outside Knoxville, Tennessee is not very popular. Um, you know, and you can see why. I mean, they, the way they play, and I mean, we keep using the word antics, but it's it's a lot of antics, you know. And uh, uh, they rub people the wrong way. And when you're flipping off people and you're you know f bombing umpires, uh, umpires, I mean, what do you expect? You know, of course, you're not going to make a lot of friends along the way. Uh, but uh, they were obviously really, really good. You know, 57 and nine or whatever they finished. Uh, it, it's incredible the season that they had. But I always felt like there was a chance that their emotional style of play could catch up with them in the postseason at some point. And we saw that a little bit with Drew Gilbert and Frank Anderson losing their, their cool, you know, the first game of that Super Regional and getting tossed. Um, and you have to wonder if not having Frank Anderson, their pitching coach, was a factor, you know, the, the rest of the weekend. I mean, Tennessee still was in control. I mean, in the last game, they were up 3-1. to one. They, they, they had it in their sights. And then maybe just give Notre Dame credit. It's a veteran team with a ton of – poise and and i mean again veteran team we're talking about a team that has tons of seniors here all the way through the lineup guys that played in a super regional in in, in starkville last year they were used to the atmosphere um a team that won the acc by four and a half games last year and had basically the whole lineup back so i mean there's there's a lot of pedigree with those guys too this is not some upstart i think it was the perfect team to go into knoxville and survive that atmosphere aaron i think i saw you make this comparison you know, Ole Miss, what what an up-and-down year they've had. I didn't think they would shut out Southern Miss twice on the road. And I think you made the comparison to Virginia a few years ago. Is that, is that a, a good comparison to make? Yeah, it feels a lot like that 2015 Virginia team. I mean, they were both, I think, the last team in the field of 64. Virginia was certainly one of the last, if they weren't the last. Uh, but they both kind of snuck in as, as three seeds and, um, you know, they were both preseason top five teams. 
that didn't play like it for most of the year just snuck into regionals and then got hot and made it to Omaha. And, and of course, Virginia went on to win it all. Um, and we've seen that before, too. I mean, Oregon State in 2007, same deal. They were probably the last team in the field of 64. They probably only got in because they were the defending national champs and they got a little bit of a benefit of the doubt there. Um, and then, you know, they were they were like a few games over 500 overall. And, and they get to the regional and they just catch fire. And they were just a buzzsaw all the way through and won it all again. Um, could see Ole Miss making a run like that. I mean, the way they're playing right now, uh, this is a team we always kind of thought they would be. It's a great position player group with a ton of experience. And they found the right answers on the mound with Dylan Delusia and Hunter Elliott leading the way. It feels like they, there's enough there. So uh, this, I feel like this, this College World Series is going to be wide open. But it wouldn't shock me at all if Ole Miss is the team that winds up hoisting the trophy. Aaron, you're talking to Gatorland here, so obviously Gator fans wanting to know, you know, what's going to happen with this Florida program. You know, Barco is gone. Sterling Thompson's got a chance to be a first rounder. Fabian, you know, Ryapel's got a decision to make. Where do you see this Gator team going? Yeah, they'll probably lose all those guys you just mentioned, which is not not a surprise, but. Uh, boy, I just think they're loaded next year with, with looking what they've got coming back, and especially all those young arms. And um, you know, Pierce Coppola, once he gets healthy, I think he's got a chance to be special. And, um, you know, we, we saw those freshmen kind of grow as the season went along. I like the talent in the lineup too. I mean, I think they're still a preseason top five team next year, um, even with all those those losses that you mentioned. So they just recruited at such a high level. They'll probably come up with some more big additions in the transfer portal because why wouldn't you want to go play? you know, in Florida with what they've built down there. Um, so I, I suspect they're going to be really, really good next year. Were you surprised at Mike Martin Jr. being let go, and who do you see maybe taking over for him? Yeah, that was uh, interesting. You know, I, I would have thought he would have a little more time there, especially considering all the history with, with his family and, and him himself. He played there. He coached there under his dad for a long time as an assistant. Um, yeah, they, they were a little disappointing this year. I mean, I thought that team – should have had a, a, an Omaha-caliber pitching staff, and the, the lineup just didn't ever really materialize to back those guys up. But there's probably more going on there. Um, I don't know. But it's uh, I think everyone expects Link Jarrett to be, to be the guy. I mean, that's, you know, it's a little awkward for Link Jarrett because he's going to Omaha with Notre Dame right now. Right. And they just fired his, his, his former roommate and his good friend, Mike Martin Jr., um, and he's got to deal with all that distraction. It's awkward. Timing is unfortunate, but I think everyone assumes that that's what's going to wind up happening is Florida State's just going to go get this guy, and he's going to go back to his alma mater, even though it's uncomfortable. All right, let me end with this, Aaron. Who do you think wins the last two Supers? And then based on that, who do you like in Omaha? I really feel like Stanford now has has kind of steadied the ship after getting blitzed by UConn in that first game. I thought it was important that Stanford showed some life um, you know, toward the end of that game and, and made it interesting. They were down like 13-4, to 4 and they, they get back to within 13-12 to 12 and yeah. they lost the game. That built some momentum, and then yesterday they just kind of cruised to an easy victory. I feel like Stanford closes the deal. Um, I think Oregon State-Auburn feels like kind of a toss-up, but I picked Oregon State heading into it. I'm going to stick with them. I just think that, you know, they are very good at home. Um, I think they've got enough depth on the mound. Uh, to, to, to make this work today for them. They, they play great defense. And two really good clubs playing, playing good ball. Could go either way. I lean Oregon State in that one. It's been a, you know, a good series so far, a couple of close games. So, um, and then I just think it's wide open. I haven't really had a chance to make my pick yet um, to win it all. I need to sit down and, and analyze it all. But, okay. I mean, it just feels wide, wide open in Omaha this year. Okay. Aaron, as I always ask, where can people see your work? 
Yeah, find us at D1Baseball.com, at D1Baseball on Twitter. Um, lots of stuff coming this week to preview the College World Series. We'll have a podcast, a, a live show tomorrow, um, and then all throughout the, the World Series we'll be on hand uh, with everything you need to follow the action. Okay. I always appreciate your time. Thanks for squeezing us in. Hi, right, Steve. You got it. Aaron Fitt, D1 Baseball, joining us here. Uh, knows his stuff.